0: Ideas, inspiration, innovation,
1: this is The Game Changer.
0: And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald and this is one of our Back by Popular Demand series. And our guest today is Brett Blumenthal, and Brett and I first met back in 2012, and we we talked about one of her earlier works, which was a book called A Whole New You, and it was a very, very practical book, Six Steps to to Ignite Change for Your Best Life, and Brett has just released a new book called 52 Small Changes for the Mind. Brett, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here again.
0: Brett, why don't you give us a, a thumbnail of your background? I, I know that uh, you know you have written a number of books, but you, you haven't always been an author.
1: <laughs> no, and my I continue to morph, so it's hard to keep <laughs> up. <laughs> um, I actually got my architecture degree, uh, and while I was getting my architecture degree, I was an aerobics instructor, and I fell in love with wellness. Um, and upon graduation, although I worked in the professional world of architecture and then I was in management consulting for um, about 10 years, I always loved wellness. And when I left uh, the consulting world, I decided to give it a go and try being an author within the wellness genre. And I really enjoyed the whole interaction with um, people learning about wellness and trying to understand how they could be healthier and happier. Um, And what I found was that a lot of the work that I enjoyed most was helping people create positive change in their life. And when I was in management consulting, I worked with organizations as a change management consultant. And so that was helping organizations and corporations go through Major changes and transformations within their organizations, and so I found that there were a lot of similarities that could be brought over from that experience to the individual and that's sort of how I started creating books specifically around change um, and now I'm still changing <laughs> um i'm I'm also an artist, so uh through through having a child, my change, uh, my new transformation is, is a wildlife artist. So um, I'm a big believer in change and that life is about change and embracing it is what makes it interesting.
0: Well, this book is very interesting because you are actually talking about uh, changes for your mind and how to use those changes to improve your memory, mm-hmm. minimize stress, uh increase your productivity, and at the end of the day, to, to boost your overall happiness. And, you know, clearly the number 52, uh, you know, it, it is significant, and we're not talking about a deck of cards here, right? We're talking about a manageable program that, you know, you could put this by your bed, you know, uh, where, wherever uh, you have set up for for your time for yourself, which hopefully uh, you do that. Right. So so talk to us about what led to this particular book. And I know you said you it, it actually took some time to publish so you you finished this book uh some time ago. Right. Well,
1: you know, I had
0: written um
1: in the in the beginning of 2012 uh 52 small changes one year to a happier healthier you was a book that came out um that was more holistic and it looked at fitness and nutrition Uh, mental well-being as well as even uh, green living, meaning not to recycle, but are you taking care of your environment in a way that's healthy for you? Um, And so that book did so well that it gave me the idea that the concept of small changes and giving people sort of a year of time to navigate change Um, worked and it received so much positive feedback and people wrote to me with so many wonderful stories about how it really helped them. Um, It prompted me to go out to my audience and ask them, if I were to do another one of these books, what would the topic of choice be? And everybody hands down really wanted more around mental well-being. And so that's sort of what spawned the whole second Second of the series, if you will, um, of fifty-two small changes to the mind.
0: Well, I love the concept, and you know, we all have so many things on our to-do list, and the larger those things, you know, the the uh, more likely it is that we don't ever even get started. So, I think that this approach is is really an amazing one, and and I actually love your very first one, which is put pen to paper. Mm. And, uh, you know, many of us have tried doing that in blogging, and, and, you know, maybe some were fairly faithful in writing a journal when they were young. But but talk to me about the science uh, behind this, because that's one of the things I love about this book is you're not just talking, you know, your own theory. you You, you actually talk about that there's some science behind why these things are good to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, clearly we have a lot in our head. <laughs> yes. And when it's in our head, sometimes it stays in our head and ca- and can cause craziness within our heads. Um, when we're confronted with difficult situations, journaling can help uh sort through issues so we can see things more clearly. Uh, We can process things more easily. We can even reflect on our own reactions and thoughts, which helps us problem solve. Um, It also, I mean, when you're writing down things about your feelings, it gives you an ability to have a greater self-awareness and even have a deeper connection with your emotions. Sometimes when we keep things in our head, we don't really identify what is the feeling that we're actually having. And so getting it out on paper helps us, one, identify them, but then connect with them. And then we can even, even those that are difficult or painful, sometimes getting them on paper allows us to sort of process them and navigate them so that we can come away from the session um, happier, healthier, and feeling a little bit more at ease with what we're feeling. And it also is great for stress management. Um, the act of writing down feelings can release, you know, positive emotions as well as, as negative, but positive as, as well. There was actually a study done in 2008 um, where <clears throat> they did a whole um Sort of they did research on the progress in therapy when people were asked to write down emotional feelings in their assignments, and this was specifically geared towards people with anxiety and depression and they found that those who actually did the written assignment um, had a better a better reduction in anxiety and depressive symptoms than those who did not so they have a result that can positively impact your mental well-being from journaling.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's really amazing. And, you know, I've I've bought so many beautiful journals for, you know, for the purpose of, of actually getting back into writing things down because every once in a while I will find uh, you know, in, in a drawer three or four journals from previous years. And again, usually I, I start out strong and then, you know, fizzle out. But, um <laughs> You know, it's so much fun to go back and, and read those stories. And usually I'll, I I generally start those at a time when something significant is going on in my life. So, you know, I, I right before I met my husband and I was 33 years old and I was so lonely and all of my friends were married and, you know, I felt like I was the only one in the world who was single in my 30s. And, and so watching that, and it, it actually, the journal started something like, four or five days before I met my husband Mm. and my husband and I met and fell in love and got married very fast, like two months. (laughs) And, and so, you know, all of that was journaled and it, and it was very, very cool. And then I found another one, um Where I was writing during my pregnancy, and i i had uh you know had to go through infertil infertility treatments to get pregnant and so um you know there there were a lot of things associated with that because there's a little bit more fear you know when you've gone through multiple miscarriages et cetera so um you know it was very interesting to find that and to go back through you know even the first days after she was home. But I wanted to ask you whether this first one is something that you think is more appealing to women than to men, or have you talked to men who have a practice of journaling as well?
1: That's a really interesting question, and I can't honestly say that I have a real answer, but... um I do know that men who do journal do see a benefit to it. Um, I do think it tends to be more of a female-oriented kind of thing. Um, But that's also because we are more likely to want to discuss our emotions, whether it be with a friend or with ourselves. (laughs) I don't know that men are as quick to want to do that, although I do think the world is changing, and I think that men are becoming, as we will, I don't know if this is a politically correct way of putting it, but um, more enlightened, if you will, and are are geared more towards understanding their emotions and well, self-awareness. And they,
0: they call it getting in touch with their feminine side, of course, yeah. which is something of that I, they, they don't uh, like to relate to, but I'll never forget. I attended a, um, well, it was what my boss called uh, corporate charm school uh he sent me so that i would be a better fit in corporate america hmm. and okay. and uh, so i went to this course and one of the exercises uh it was it was really a fabulous course because it was in carmel california and it was in this resort that overlooked uh, the ocean and uh it was probably 3 quarters men and a quarter women And we were in this room, and the guy who was facilitating uh, gave us this list of, I want to say, 30 emotions. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, was asking, like, how many we related to. And, like, the men were just looking at it. They're like, there are 30?
1: That's funny. You they know, really
0: know work like for. <laughs> right. Frustration, <laughs> anger, you know, et cetera. But, but it, it w- kind of became the, the joke of the class. But that was when I realized, and, you know, I was in my, probably my late 30s at that point. But, uh you know, I remember thinking about how women just were able to articulate it better. I mean, I do believe that men have all those emotions. It's just that there is not very much a distance <laughs> in between uh you know anger and or frustration and anger, and that you know they they don't uh understand all the nuances that that go in between each of the emotions right, right, right
1: yeah, I think i mean i I do know men who journal or have journals and i think they usually do it when it's almost like a last resort they don't know what else to do but when they do it they do see the benefit.
0: right right you know it's it's interesting because we have so many electronic tools available to us now and i mm. i had heard um someone say and i wish i had done this when when my kids were little that uh you know you can set up an email address of course for your child or or even an email address to send emails to from yourself, right? And and that that can be your journal. That can be the way that you journal what's going on. And if you're journaling to a child, right, telling them what you're feeling about being their parent from the time that they're born, you can – you know, talk about what they did today and how it made you feel. And that when they're older, because, you know, of course, Google or wherever you decide to set up that email, you know, it basically never goes away. It just keeps, you know, it keeps building up. That that's a really good way to do it. So That's if a you're, really
1: great idea. I mean, yeah, I have so if you're, a one-sentence-a-day journal for moms. I don't know if you've heard of that. But, no, um, no. But it's handwritten. And frankly, my, I mean, I think to myself, my poor son, when he reads this, he won't leave you if I'm still around,
0: he's going to need me to translate it. <laughs> <My hands laughs> exactly. Right <in> <laughs> well, you know, and what I may do, my, my daughter is leaving for college in the fall, and she is probably going to be going to the University of Warsaw in Poland, of all places. Oh, my goodness. Um, That's But I may, I may keep a journal for her while she's gone. Mm. You know, at, she because would I didn't do that. it when she was young, you know, to do yeah. that now about how I feel about her being halfway around the world from me.
1: Yeah, I bet she would appreciate that.
0: Definitely. Well, let's move on, and I'm I'm going to go through the first couple, and I'm going to guide you through, uh, you know, these first couple of weeks of, of the habits that you want people uh, to embrace because uh, i i just i love the next one as well which is all about letting music uh play a bigger part in your life. Yeah. And then i'm going to let you talk about some of the ones that were your favorites cuz we clearly don't have time to go through all 52. But let's talk about the role that music plays in our life. Oh
1: yeah. I mean what's interesting is um music has always been a huge part of my life and i would say between The end of college and maybe a little bit after the end of college, uh, and until my son was born, I really wasn't listening to music that much. And then when he was born, I really wasn't listening to music. And then when I started doing my art, I started listening to music a lot more and it's amazing how transformational it is. I mean, studies have shown that music can actually start to have a positive impact on you as soon as when you're first born. And even in the womb, you may have seen the belly bud movement. <laughs> right. But, um, I, I mean, when I was pregnant, I put the little buds on my belly so that my son, I didn't know he was my son yet. I thought it could be a girl too. But whoever was in there. Could listen to music because they studies have shown that there's such a positive influence music can have on brain development and also just growth, um, parent infant bonding and even success in breastfeeding, if you can believe that. So really? um wow. yeah, there's some really amazing studies out there that, that talk about the connection of music with um with us as as that that early. But what's really interesting, when I was doing an interview with one of um, the experts that I spoke to, I, I guess I maybe subconsciously knew this, but I didn't fully know it until I spoke to her, but music is one of the one things we can do that can actually impact all areas of our brain. Um, listening to music releases neurochemicals that can release melatonin, which helps with sleep patterns. Dopamine, which can help control the brain's reward and pleasure centers, and it can also um, activate the amygdala, the brain's fight or flight center, which, um, in a turn, can release adrenaline. So it can really have an impact for, for in all areas of your brain. It's kind of really interesting. Um, and so, you know, the the change is really to get you know music into your life. And there are so many different ways you can do it. For me, I had played instruments for years and I just like cold turkey gave it up. And it was hard. It was really horrible from a standpoint of like today, I know if I were to pick up an instrument, I would be frustrated because I'm not able to play it the way I know I used to play it. But when I have one or two times, it's, it's, there's definitely like this, innate response that you can feel your body relax you can feel yourself become less stressed you can almost feel like your brain is working in new and interesting ways so i mean if you can play an instrument that is one of the best ways to include music into your day if you don't play an instrument however just listening to music can be really really beneficial
0: and I definitely need to do more of that. I'll tell you, uh, and in certainly people who are listening to this live or, or just after we have broadcast know that, you know, this is being uh, recorded during the political season. And, you know, I mean, I spend way too much time listening to talk radio and talk television and the pundits, you know, about what's going on. And, boy, if there is ever uh, a an energy drain and and really zapping uh, you know all of the things that make us creative you know it's that habit and 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 that's all it is it's you know it's a habit i get in the car and i turn it on and and you know i turn it on when i get home and you know as i was reading that chapter of your book i thought wow you know even just going to pandora and specifically setting up Playlists of all the stuff I loved back when I did listen to music regularly. You know, much you know, very long ago in my own life, because
1: uh,
0: like you, I just got busy. And, you know, a lot of times when I would be in the car with the kids, we'd be listening to what they wanted to listen to, or, you know, most of the time, they just asked me to have it turned off so that they can be playing whatever their games are, right? (laughs) Um, I know, it's hard,
1: because my son always wants his music. And that to me is not going to, I mean, I'm probably going to inspire my memory if i hear wheels on the bus when i'm 80 but (laughs) it's not the kind of memories i
0: necessarily want to be tapping into right now (laughs) well it's funny because on the way to school this morning my son was singing songs from when he was like four or five and my son isn't musical at all i mean he is all sports all the time But he was singing, and he was remembering all the words. Now, of course, as you know as a parent, we listen to those things probably a thousand times, right, before the next one comes out. Of course. Um, But my daughter was playing a a video – well, I I call them video games, but a game on her phone yesterday on the way home from softball practice. And it was – it's some game where you're having to, like, move your fingers quickly across the – the screen to keep up with the music that's changing. And it was all like Bach and Beethoven. And I said, I don't know what game that is that you're playing, but I love it because, you know, here it was, listening to classical music was just, you know, it was really relaxing versus, you know, the quiet that, you know, we normally have when they're playing something with their earphones in. So, you know, I can really see how adding music into our life on a regular basis or injecting it at a time when we need Inspiration. Um, the next one in the book is about smiling, and the the story from this one that I that really jumped off the page at me was the the um, story about the TED talk, and I don't remember the guy's name, mm. but mm-hmm. uh, the TED talk about talking about how often children smile versus how often we do, and what it does for your psyche.
1: Yeah it's very It's very interesting, and it's funny because having a child as you might you might okay. imagine or know from firsthand experiences, they're they're the ones who are more likely to smile more quickly, and we it, the the guy's name for anyone who might be listening and is interested in the TED Talk, it's called the Hidden Power of Smiling," and his name is Ron Gutman, and he says that children smile approximately four hundred times a day. Where a third of adults smile more than twenty times a day,
0: mm. which
1: is staggering four hundred times a day, and I think to myself, "Does my son i mean, yes, he's in school for a good portion of the day, so I don't even know, but when he's with me all day, is he smiling four hundred times a day, and I don't really know that he is, and I feel like it's my fault, <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like that that's a huge indicator, you know you i mean they there, I've heard, I don't know that I've read the study on this, but I've heard that, um, you know, children mimic their parents' facial expressions from a very, very young age. And so the more you smile, the more likely they're to smile. And mm-hmm. it's very true. We're very, we're, we tend to mirror other people's reactions and emotions, at least some of us do. I know I do. Oh, if
0: I'm but, in a you room know. With, yep. I I was just going to share a a quick story. Um, Back when I worked for American Airlines, I was going through a sales training class, and it was the first time in my life I had ever been videoed. Mm. And as I was watching that video, I kept thinking, I look familiar. And, I mean, it's a funny thing to say, but what I was seeing was my sister's expressions, Oh, so right funny. and i was seeing the the similarity and then a few years later uh i, I was living in atlanta georgia and my uncle uh was coming to the states uh, my my father and his family um his parents went to brazil uh back in in like 1913 and my dad was born there and so were, were his brothers and my dad was the only one of the boys who came back to the states and so mm. they hadn't lived in the same country even for more than 50 years at that time and when my uncle got off the plane and you know was walking toward me i was astounded not just that there was a physical resemblance because you would expect that but the expressions were the same
1: Mm, that's amazing
0: you know though it had been so long since they had been together, but you know so you're absolutely right, and now i'm now I'm frightened to know how often my own kids <laughs> smile, but I will definitely pay attention to that this weekend. so I want to jump now and and just let you go through you know kind of the list of the fifty two things, and maybe we can talk about those that, as you were writing, you felt like these were going to be the biggest. Uh, impact on people's lives and the biggest sea change from the way that they used to operate to the way that they do now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard because I like a lot of them, but the one that I've always struggled with and one of the ones that I felt like were were really important to be in this book because I struggle with it is to forget the Joneses Mm. where we are all so, so likely to compare ourselves to others, and we do it at a very young age. It starts when we're children, um, and it's interesting because it's easy for them to do it because usually their parents are doing it for them, and so they learn that behavior pretty early. Um, I always have to take a step back and, and, like, for instance, I mean, this is a lot of information, so I apologize, but my son was will be three in May, and his classmates, are a good portion of girls and boys and as each one comes home or comes to school and has become potty trained right it like kills me because my son's the oldest one in his class and he is not even close and (laughs) it takes all of my like fiber not to be saying alexander All your classmates are going to the toilet. Why can't you? (laughs) Oh, I
0: know, I know. Yeah, we adopted my son at three from Russia. And they said he was body trained, but, you know, they have a totally different uh, definition of what that 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 means. So I feel your pain. Uh, The good news is my son is now 15, and he is body trained. God, I hope so. I mean he does, I he does still occasionally suck his fingers though.
1: So Oh no, I do worry. I say to myself, Alexander's gonna be in diapers when he's eighty. I mean, I know that at eighty <laughs> you might be in diapers, but I'm like, it may never stop. So I mean, it's so the point is is it we do it to ourselves, we do it to our children, and yet it is such a detrimental um negative pattern and habit it really robs us of joy, it increases stress, and it promotes dysfunctional behavior not only for ourselves but within our families if you're constantly comparing your child to oh, other yeah. children, that's really negative. So, um, And then on the longer term when we look, think about it, it really can eat away at self-worth and self-esteem and clearly damage relationships. So, um, you know, taking a moment, not compare yourself to others, not compare yourself to neighbors, not feel obsessed with what everybody else is doing or what everybody else has, and be content with your life as it is. And if you're not content with it as it is, find what about it you don't like, but don't use other people's lives to be the benchmark you know and then change what you need, what you want to change but not predicated on what everybody else is doing
0: yeah,
1: um, right um so that's a huge one for me i also think that um i mean silencing your inner critic kind of goes along with that so yeah in
0: fact that's where i thought you were going when you started <laughs> with that one because uh, you know we all suffer from this one
1: yeah. I mean they're very connected. I mean, I they're two different things because one is very inside and one is very external, but in a sense it's your inside that's causing the external, you know. Um, so trying to sort of make sure that you're you're being kind to yourself and you're um using positive language. Um, for instance, you know, it's often I'll go downstairs, forget something upstairs and I have to go back upstairs. And it's very easy to knock yourself down and say, oh, God, why did I forget that? I'm so stupid, whatever. Um, what a waste of time. And you can usually do a whole monologue about how awful you are about this silly thing. Right? <laughs> but, you know, that kind of behavior can really be detrimental to your self-esteem and happiness as well. So they're, they're very linked, but they are they are different. Um, so trying to keep those in mind. Um, I This is very boring, but one of my favorite ones is about sleep. Um and that's probably because in the last six months I actually went through a very large bout of um I wouldn't say it was full-on insomnia, but I had real sleep issues and it really, really impacted my overall well being from the mental state. Um and so I think we undervalue, especially as we get older, um, what sleep can do for us. Um I think we tend to think that if you get, like, six hours, you're good, you know. Um, But it's not just the amount that you have to sleep. It's also the quality. And um, there are a lot of people doing sleep studies now because they know they're not getting enough sleep. And a lot of us are disrupted throughout the night, even though we might not know it in the morning. If we're waking up feeling unrested, even when we got supposedly seven to eight hours, it's probably because the quality of that sleep just wasn't very good so i really am a huge sleep advocate as everyone in my family will tell you because i am ridiculous about sleep for my son (laughs)
0: like that
1: is like a whole other level of sleep so so that's a big big um change i think that can be really impactful for people as well uh, what else? My goodness. Um, well,
0: I see one, and I think I know what. I I haven't made it all the way through the book yet, but um, week number thirty-four is go alfresco. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. Um. So in my first fifty-two small changes, I I discussed something similar just about. Um, getting outdoors because uh, we were spending too much time indoors and the outdoors is really important um, but to go further than that uh, there's a lot of time that we spend indoors as a matter of fact only 10% of our time is generally spent outdoors yet being outside can have a profound effect on our right. happiness and, it, and from a medical standpoint our physical well-being too um, vitamin D is something that a huge portion of the United States is deficient in. And the way we really synthesize vitamin D is to be outside in the sun. And even when we're outside in the sun, because of skin cancer, so many of us are using sunscreen and we don't get vitamin D when we're wearing sunscreen. So um, even if you just spend five to ten minutes outside in the sun – a few times a week, that's going to make a huge impact. And vitamin D is really important to our mental well-being because of um, its release of important neurotransmitters, which include serotonin, um, and affects, it, they, the vitamin D helps affect brain function and, and development. So seasonal affective disorder we've all heard of, but right. and insomnia, a lot of it, it stems from an insufficient level of vitamin D in your body.
0: Well, you can tell I'm an overachiever, Brett, because I'm already trying to figure out how I can combine these. So I'll go outside and walk, listening to music, smiling, what? making lists in my mind. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: There is nothing wrong with that, although one of my changes is
0: to be a mono chapter. Uh,
1: <laughs> But Well, and, and the other one is,
0: is less screen time, which, I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I don't even want to count how, how long uh, – uh, for the day I have a screen in front of me and I laugh because my cat uh frequently will will sit with me and at night after everyone has gone to bed we've got a light in in our uh family room on a timer and when it goes off the only thing there is you know this this white screen and there is a uh, there's a well it's not even a joke I guess but it, uh, there's a meme on online about how the cats are wondering why this light box is always on their their owners lap.
1: <laughs> right? Oh, that's
0: so funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: anyway, I'm I'm thinking I can knock out at least four or five the five of these in in uh, just putting on headphones and walking around my neighborhood.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean there definitely is something to be said for um combining them and that I guess in a sense that that is sort of a point in certain ways because Um, If you introduce music into your life, um, and you become cognizant of its importance, maybe you'll be more likely to put it on when you're in the car or taking a walk, or it'll be more top of mind. Um, And I don't and the walking is clearly there. I talk about being active, not just from the standpoint of like little exercise, but just getting outside you get uh, the whole al fresco thing you're you're increasing your oxygen levels the inside air is not the same as the outside air so being outside you're getting more oxygen you're getting um fresher air and so that is all important for brain activity as well so yeah there's nothing wrong with combining
0: them at all but monotask
1: when it's important <laughs>
0: right Well, I didn't see monotasking on the list. Is that one of them? It sure is. Yeah. It's um, week number six. So it's the
1: monotasker. And uh, Uh, there's a lot of evidence that shows that people who actually try to multitask are less proficient at whatever they're doing. There was one study um, done in, I think, 2010 by James Watson uh, at the University of Utah. And, the the people who were part of the study, they were asked to perform two tasks at once. And only 2.5% of the participants showed no decline in performance, um, while 97.5% suffered.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: But, I mean, again, it depends on what you are doing. So some things can be, you know, you can be multitasking. Like if it's important, however, if it's something that you really need to, do well and uh maybe detail oriented, trying to monotask is not going to be a good idea. Or to, trying to multitask is not going to right. be a good idea. Right.
0: So, so so what are what are some of some of the others that uh, perhaps are just uh just fun and and can really help you lighten things up. I'll I'll tell you one that jumps out at me and that's Read for Pleasure. And yeah. and part of this one is because um, you know, I do the radio show every week, and all of the authors that I interview are, you know, they're typically writing books about leadership and growth and, you know, personal change and, you know, the, the kinds of things that we're talking about today. And I love a good novel. and good. So, you know, <laughs> for me, it is such a guilty pleasure to take a novel, and I usually read it almost from start to finish. I mean, I don't even break it into multiple sessions because great. it's such an escape for me. So yeah. that's one that uh, you know I know I've got to get back into doing more of, but I've got this stack of of uh, business and kind of self help uh, oriented books that uh, I need to get through. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, that's that's sort of the point of it. Um, a lot of us have to read, whether it be for business or for whatever reason, and it's a have to, and um, only, I would say, it's fewer than half, 48% of adult Americans read literature for pleasure. And so when you're sitting there thinking to yourself, "Oh, it's such a guilty pleasure," I was listening to, you and I said, "It actually shouldn't be guilty. You should feel good that you're giving yourself the permission right. to read for that. For the for the following reasons, for instance, when we are redu- when we're reading for pleasure, we're reducing our stress, um, and we're able to enjoy it. We don't have to. We don't feel like there's pressure to get it done by a certain time. Um, that's all good for us." And it also enhances our creativity, especially, I would imagine, um, fiction is great for that because as we read about these things, ideas, um, even relationships, we engage our imagination and are more creative in the real world. Right. So a good story may really provide you some inspiration for creativity. Oh, um, and totally. And then, of course, from a social standpoint, you know, you can have something new to talk about and engage people with. So... Mm -hmm. It's all good. Don't feel guilty about it. (laughs) Well,
0: and it's so funny. Um, I recently finished my my first novel, which uh, I had always wanted to write an allegorical business novel. And, you know, it's a fictional story. But the interesting thing about the the book that I have just written is I have woven into the book my radio show.
1: And the characters
0: actually listen to real radio shows that I've done. So... Um, but it was so so much fun to write because um, you know I, I research as a part of my consulting practice so you know I'm a really good researcher but I I had these elements of the story in mind and every single time I went to research a, a fact that I needed to be true for mm-hmm. for the purpose of making the book viable right yeah. every single one of them was you know it was absolutely what i expected it to be and an example is my the major character in my book is the ceo of of this tech company and i picked um uh, an israeli male who had been born in the early 50s and who had grown up in in outside of jerusalem and then oh, had come to mit and then yeah. he ended up working for digital equipment and and then ends up uh becoming this serial entrepreneur and I needed uh, to have some character that I could relate to. Well, I picked Bibi Netanyahu. I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if he knew the prime minister of Israel, right? Well, turns out Bibi also grew up in Jerusalem, also went to MIT, and they were both in the defense Israeli Defense Forces at the same time, not together. Sure. But, you know, I mean, it just – I had – such a blast, and so that creativity and and kind of part of this is putting pen to paper. It's not that self-searching kind of put pen to paper that we talked about. But so many people I talk to feel like they have a book inside of them, and you know even if you never get it published, I tell you what, it it, it is worth taking the time to start pouring those thoughts that have been building up in you uh, oh, yeah. in, into that because uh, that was so therapeutic for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I It's funny, people are always they always talk about the fact that I've written so many books, I must be a really good writer, but then I think about what you are writing or wrote, and I'm like, there's no way I can do that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought about it for about eight years, and, and I swear I did not do any real planning, but when I sat down, I literally Wrote that book in three days. Now it's oh it's God. undergone lots of changes since then, but but really the the core content. So I think there's so much that we do subconsciously, and mm. I had uh, first read uh, a, my first allegorical business novel that I read was by Bob Berg and John David Mann called The Go Giver. And I thought, how great to have this story that, like, weaves in these business truths that you need to impart, because I read so many uh, academic business novels, you know, or business books that you know you're still getting across the business points but in in a fun story that that is is laced together with you know personalities and lots of things going on. So
1: um so
0: yes you can do it. I mean I didn't think I could either but when I started doing it it was like man, I was born to do this. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's
1: great. So are you publishing it?
0: Uh I am currently searching for a publisher and uh you know kind of learning all of the ins and outs of how publishing has changed uh mm. you know with the advent of of uh you know the online publishers and the on demand publishers so it's a a bit of a maze right now that i'm trying to uh, figure out the right way to go but yeah i'm definitely publishing it uh because i think that um uh, you know five of the the Uh, actual interviews that I've done are included in the book, and so there are five publishers that are actually mentioned in the book. Uh, So I think it could be really interesting to go to one of them. So let's talk about, uh, you had mentioned that your early career, you focused a lot on the physical health and wellness. You've got mm-hmm. some really good chapters here about taking better care of our bodies from what we put into it. Can you yes. touch on a couple of those in, in the few minutes that we have left? Sure. Well, the one that I think is
1: really um, sort of interesting is about, I mean, there there. I think there are two or three chapters on this. One is, about green tea and the benefits green tea has. One is about fruits and vegetables. But the one that I think is really interesting is about fat. Um because a lot of people I mean I think we're learning, people are becoming smarter about this, that fat is not a is really not a four letter word or three letter word. <laughs> um it's it's actually really important and I like to ask this I and mean, if you read the chapter already then maybe you know but um do you know how much the brain is made up of fat?
0: No, I don't.
1: Would you, if you were going to need to take a guess, what would you guess?
0: Oh, gosh. 20%? So it's approximately 60% fat. Wow. So
1: consuming the right fat is important to brain function, but also getting enough fat is really important, and diet. Obviously, high in trans fats and saturated fats from certain sources um can actually be linked to uh higher risk of dementia, depression, and cognitive uh deficits but those mm. fats that are really healthy, such as um omega threes we have heard a lot about
0: right. um
1: that are found in fatty fish as well as some uh plant sources but um other and please other- tell
0: me that coconut oil is one of those.
1: That actually, coconut oil. I mean, coconut oil has come to be a very healthy fat.
0: So it's, it's my it's, favorite fat these days.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a great substitute for butter mm-hmm. uh, because of whatever its consistency. It's it's really good. Although you have to kind of like the taste of coconut because I baked with it and it definitely gives everything a coconut flavor.
0: <laughs> right. And you're right. Like, well, oh, I what? I am dairy free, so I drink coconut milk. So uh, as my my preferred milk and coffee, so yeah, I do love coconut.
1: Yeah, no, coconut milk, no, a coconut as a fat is is considered to be a very healthy fat. Um, but omega threes are especially important in lowering risk of dementia, depression, and cognitive decline, and improving focus and memory. Um, and I prefer to get it from a fatty fish source versus um, plant right. sources. Uh, because of the way the DHA is is basically there is higher levels of DHA, which is important for your right. omega three. Well, it
0: must be why um, having fatty fish when you're pregnant is a good idea because you're building the brain of the child, right? That's right. That's and exactly right. I, wow, I never knew that. Yeah. I mean, I did eat a lot of, of fish, uh, and, and my daughter is quite brilliant. So perhaps that has something <laughs> to do fish. with it. It was all fish.
1: Also, nuts and seeds are really high in vitamin E, which mm-hmm. is um, important for free radical fighting, uh, uh, or fighting free radicals. And uh, they're, it's a high in, in antioxidants. So they're really important for boosting cognitive function. And also walnuts also have omega-3s as well. So um, nuts and science is really good. And then the last of your fats, really your your monounsaturated fats, which are avocados and olives, Um, and they're really important for maintaining structure of the brain cell membranes, and they promote healthy blood flow, which is important for oxygen to the brain. So, yeah, you want to eat your fats. Go for that guacamole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh yeah. Oh Go no one of my favorite oil. restaurants does it table side and it is so, so yummy.
1: <laughs> yes. So eat up. <laughs> um but yeah, I think a lot of people are always afraid of the fat content and things. But if it's the right fat you shouldn't be afraid. You should be right. happy about eating it. So
0: Well Brett, there is so much that we could talk about. You know, I mean you've really touched on on every part of our lives in this book. Uh you know, just I'll I'll just name some of the other uh chapters so that people uh can get a sense of of what else you touch on. Be hands-on, be a guru, streamline your space, build close relationships, schedule to-do items, play, set intentions, deal with your demons, train your brain. So I mean, you are just um really getting the whole person the whole life of the whole person and one of the things in the executive girlfriends group which is you know one of the primary audiences for this show um is that we've always been about acknowledging that you are a whole person and you know some women's groups focused just on the business aspects of your life or just on you know the mom aspects or or you know some other component of your life but you know if you're not feeling well or if you're overweight or if you're not sleeping or if you're fighting with your spouse you can't mm. be effective at work so mm-hmm. you know i mean i love the way that this book helps us take proactive small steps to make big changes both in our personal lives and our business lives. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it it just, I I can't wait to plow into the the rest of the things that we weren't able to talk about. But before we go, you know, I would love for you to tell folks, you know, what it is you do in your day job now, I mean, other than, you know, when you're in the midst of writing a book, and, and how they can best follow you or get in touch with you. Sure.
1: Um well if you're interested in, in my book, you can easily get them get it anywhere really it's at that those that books are sold, but fifty two small changes dot com is a great way to find the book easily and it also is connected to my website as well. So um that's a great starting place. Uh Brett Hyphen dot com will bring you to the basically everything I do, art, author, and speaking. So either of those places are good stuff. Got it.
0: Oh, so you do you do public speaking?
1: I do, yeah.
0: Great. Great. Well, Brett, it has been really incredible. And again, the book that we've been talking about is fifty two small changes for the mind. Author Brett Blumenthal, and spelled just exactly as it sounds. Mm-hmm. And her company is called Sheer Balance. And uh, so you can, if you can't remember Blumenthal, uh, just remember Share Bal- Balance, and you can go to ShareBalance dot com, and that will help you navigate to all of the other components of what Brett is doing. So, what's next, Brett?
1: Well, um, I did not think there was going to be another book in the works, but it turns out there very well may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought four was I was done after four, um, so. It looks like I may be doing something, and this one I may be co-authoring, which would be fun. Um, and then, I mean, that's that's really it. It's just the, every day, one day at a time, is my motto.
0: Well, great, and you've got that little one to uh, to focus your attention on, and don't blink because uh, the next thing you know, they'll be going off to college in Poland. <laughs> Oh, I know.
1: Don't say it. I mean, I, I, if that's what he wants, then that's what he should do. But I hate the idea of him being so far away. <laughs> oh,
0: well, it certainly wasn't our plan. But uh, it was funny because our, our daughter had been dating a, a guy for a year and a half. And, you know, he was really her first boyfriend. And, He broke up with her the first week of senior year and told her that, you know, he felt he was holding her back. And then two weeks later, she's got this bug in her head that she's going to go to Poland for school. And, and, uh, you know, it turns out it's actually a really, really good fit for what she's doing, and it's so incredibly affordable. And uh, she'll finish her, her psychology degree in three years and then can come back and go to grad school here and Completely without debt, and so it, you know it's a good life plan. So I, I'm just gonna try not to start missing her before she's even gone. <laughs> do the <laughs> uh, journal. Which is what happens when journal. you when you think about it too much. Aww. do the journal. It'll help you get through it. <laughs> yeah, you know I think I'm gonna do that. I I uh, it's time, and uh, uh, again I'm gonna take my 52 small changes for the mind and put it by my bed, and, and in the mornings before I get online and, you know, dive into my life. Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna do some diving into me. I
1: think that you know, I hear this
0: happens a lot when the nest gets empty. <laughs> well, our, our nest isn't empty and, and it's interesting when we were talk I forget which topic we were talking about uh oh I know it was the, the comparing yourself uh oh. to others. And I you know our son is is fifteen and he is adopted and she's not. And, you know, so he has always drawn that comparison of, you know, that we love her more because she's not adopted. And so he is so looking forward to being the only child, right, mm. and not having her around to compare to. So yeah. I, I have a whole, you know, I've got three more years with him at home, That's good. Uh, although he he keeps saying he's never actually leaving ever <laughs> so he's my 15 year old who doesn't care about girls and he just wants to fish and play football and tennis and and he'll be happy with that forever so maybe i don't ever have to say goodbye to
1: him it reminds me of this i mean this is maybe not the place to talk about it but um my husband and i have fallen in love with a show that's not really on anymore but I don't know, for some reason it resonates, but it's called Cougar Town. Have you ever heard of
0: it? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. So
1: she's very close with her son, and he never really leaves. And then ends up at the very end (laughs) buying a house next door, and she's like the happiest person on earth. So that could be you. (laughs) There we go.
0: There we go. Well, listen, Brett, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. It is a glorious day here in Florida. This is my favorite time of year where we can actually have the sliding glass doors open all day, and, uh, you know, it's just beautiful outside. So I am going to try to get some – well, I this time of year I get lots of sunshine time because my son plays uh, tennis on, on the varsity team. So I am headed out this afternoon to one of his matches, and uh, looking forward to some sun. Well, enjoy. I will. Well, thank you so, so much. And if you do write another book, make sure – You let us know, and, uh, you know, I would also love to hear, uh, you know, in the future when you start getting feedback, uh, you know, for people who have made it through all 52 weeks of the changes in their life. I really would love to hear the the life-changing stories that you hear from people.
1: Okay. I would hopefully have some and would love to share.
0: (laughs) And good luck
1: with your
0: novel. I'm anxious to hear what happens with that. Oh, well, I will definitely keep you posted. Thank you so much, Brett. And uh, for our listeners, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And our show next week, uh, we are featuring one of my favorite authors, Liz Wiseman, and she's another one who uh, has been with us before. She's got a book called Rookie Smarts. Uh, I heard her speak at uh, a global leadership conference last summer, and she's funny and fun, and uh, I think you will really enjoy her. So again, Brett, thanks so much for, for coming back and being with us again, and I hope everybody has an amazing weekend, and go out and change the game.
1: You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration.
0: Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.